The following is a presentation of the Wide Open Mic Podcast Network. For information on this and other podcasts, please go to www.wideopenmic.net. Two players, two sides. Do you have any idea how badly I want to kill you? One is light. Hey, damn it, run! One is dark. We're the good guys, Michael. Son of a bitch. Don't ever tell me what I can't do, ever! Go France. Rewatch podcast. I am Gunner, joined by my guys here, ladies and gentlemen. Our man who eventually will hate Lost, Mr. Future. How's it going, guys? My man that hopefully continues loving Lost, Mr. Daz. What's up, everybody? And our rookie, our virgin, Keith. So let us get into the walkabout. So um, that so Keith, Talk you've actually the walkabout. We're gonna talk about the walkabout. Now Keith, you that you've actually seen this twice now, at least. Yeah. Uh, so I watched I watched it when we uh, uh, started talking about doing this podcast and um, stopped, and then we wanted to rewatch it again today. And um, wow, there were some uh, things the second time watching it. I'm like, it's interesting um, seeing how the writing was on some of this uh, these characters. I don't want to get into too many details just yet but wow it was uh, even better the second time yeah you know i it's cool that we literally just stopped watching this like 10 minutes ago ish um because yeah there's a lot of stuff it's like fresh on my mind so it's cool to watch it during the week and then come at the end of the week uh, and talk about it but it's pretty cool also to just kind of watch it and then talk about it so all right, let's just get into the stats here, man. So uh, the walkabout uh, original air date was October 20th, 2004. And, of course, this is still we're still at a point right now where it's weekly. We haven't had any reruns yet. Um, so it was directed by Jack Bender, who also directed the previous episode, Tabula Rasa, which I'm still mispronouncing. I'm not going to ask Future to help me with it anymore. I'm a big boy now. If I can't, uh, if I can't say that, then uh, I mean, you're doing like <laughs> no one would bug you. You're doing fine. <laughs> you got to roll your arm. There you yeah, go. Yeah. There Try you go. Sound more, more, uh, more flat. So uh, the opening cast, uh, starring cast, is the same. Uh, the only build guest star was uh, L. Scott Caldwell, who of course played Rose Nadler. Uh, we all love Rose. Um, okay, so uh, this... Yep, you got something? <laughs> oh. So this covers the fourth and fifth day on the island, the main storyline. 
Uh, this is a lock-centric episode and some uh, trivia about uh, Terry O'Quinn. He was John Lockabout, if you will. Yes. <laughs> uh, Terry O'Quinn was actually the only actor who did not have to audition for his role in Lost. Of course, if you guys don't know, at the time of Lost, he was actually starring on Alias, which, of course, was created by J.J. Abrams, who did the pilot of this. Um, this also interesting, uh, there was no previously on lost. I don't know if you guys noticed that. It oh, just, I didn't notice that, it, but now that you mentioned it, it just kind of opened with the eyeball. Uh, now we can say that's a reoccurring theme because we saw it with Jack and the pilot. Um, and now we've seen it here. So I think that's very cool. Um, the law a lock. We're going to get into a lot of lock in this, but uh, here's here's something cool. Uh, this episode is the first time we get to hear Locke's big catchphrase. Don't tell me what I cannot do. Don't and, tell me what I can't do. Um, and so this is a phrase that he uttered almost twenty times. It, this phrase has been uttered in the history of the show. It will be uttered. Uh, almost 20 times by several different characters. Spoiler. But most notably, not because he's sitting lock. Lock said it about five times in this episode. So um, what do you guys think about the opening, Das? What do you think about it with uh, the whole uh, boars and all that stuff? Great. You know, it's, it, it sets up this mystique and it, it really shifts the tone because <clears throat> prior to this one, I mean, all the main characters are kind of acting in a way that is, I don't know, normal or like in a way that, you know, is always more predictable, I suppose. John Locke, you know, really sticks out. He's an extraordinary character with the, with the whole knife entrance, throwing the knife in this dramatic way. I mean, they set him up to be sort of this, you know, special figure in the show. Which by the, by the, go ahead. No, 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 go I'm sorry. Well, I was gonna say, it's also interesting how it starts in the same way that it started with Jack. So that also sets him up to be a very major character, I think, because Jack, you know, the show started on Jack's eye. Yeah. So uh, I think it was you, Future, last week, who, when we were talking about the scene with Locke and the orange, and you're like, where did he get that orange? And then yeah, he said, how did he cut the orange? Now uh, we know how he cut the well, orange. No, hold on, though, because didn't he just find that that box of knives uh, in the beginning of this episode? No, he had it at the beginning. Necessarily. He, okay. they, no, I swear, because they showed him walking up to it, and he looked very happy to f- find it. He opened it up, and then he was like, ooh, they're all still there. I thought he had a knife in his pocket, threw it at, uh, at Sawyer, and then he goes, when, they, when Hurley, of course, he's the audience, he yeah. says, who is this guy? And then they come back, and he's showing them the knives. I think he had it the whole time. Or not the whole time, but I think he found it. I mean, remember, this starts on day four. I'm guessing he found it in the first couple days. But he, well, when he, the orange is the first few minutes of the plane. Yeah, no, no, like, no. The, and that was at the, if I remember correctly, that was at the end of episode two. But wasn't it during, in the crash scene? No, it was at the end of episode two. Okay, okay. 
Okay. Look, I, I am probably 99% wrong. I am an idiot. I admit it. But, uh, and I'm getting old. So last week seems like a million years ago. You've seen a lot more lost than, than I have. So, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to trust your judgment. I swear we all just watched this together and, and we're all misremembering it. So I, I don't know. I <laughs> <laughs> That is true. Um, all right. So let's talk about, and I love, this is my favorite, uh, my favorite note, which actually comes later on. Um, we'll get to it later. Never mind. I'm going to reword this. So let's get to, uh, the part where we first meet Colonel Locke, Keith, uh, the first time you saw this, if you can remember back that far last weekend or whatever, um, when you heard Colonel Locke, did you have any doubt that it was anything but he was a Colonel in the, in the Marine Corps or whatever air force? Yeah, I mean, totally. It was like something like that or some military or he was, you know, it could have even been, he was doing some exercise, um, some training exercise, but no, it totally gave you the uh, impression that he was, yes, doing some, some strategic, uh, you know, initiative when it comes to uh, um, running a, uh, an invasion or whatever you want to call it. Yes. So we also get to meet Randy who I'll just say it. My favorite note in my whole thing is Randy is a dick which is actually later the next scene with Randy, but that's true. Yeah, I'm sitting here going like, how has John Locke not filed a complaint with Arch, uh, HR? This is <laughs> clearly a hostile work environment. Like, Randy is not acceptable in any accounting firm that I've seen. Like, that shit wouldn't be tolerated. This <laughs> was 2004, so... Uh, I, I don't feel like it was that was you could grab a girl's butt in 2004 you could probably say mean things to uh to one of your guys there did anyone catch the uh movie reference in this scene um there was I a guess not. big movie clue no one caught it what was unless it? it unless it was uh office space I yeah think. there you go randy walks in TPS and he goes oh yes yes that's what it was i i the reason i said that i think i'd mentally stable that back in my file cabinet um but one thing i was going to say that um the uh douchebag guy reminded me of was uh um what was his name ryan in uh in the office tv show <laughs> really yes see yeah. <laughs> <coughs> Ryan really wasn't a dick though, except to Kelly uh, who seemed yeah, to like it, but, but yeah, but he seemed like he was a little like, um, you know, taking jabs at people a little bit. So, yeah, I guess I could see that. So, um, here's a cool note that I had and, uh, something we can actually talk about. So, um, here's my notes that I wrote down, um, in the scene where we first meet Randy after the altercation, when Locke returns to work, he types on a typewriter and prints out receipts. So while these receipts were printing, you can hear the clicking sound of the monster. So according to the producers, the sound of the monster was taken from a taxi cab receipt printer. So uh, they, uh, a printer similarly used in the one in this episode. So I actually isolated. I got that sound clip. You guys want to hear it? Yeah. So let's see if we can. Uh, I, I don't. I don't want to hear it. Okay. <laughs> okay. So here is the actual clip, and when he prints out the machine, tell me if you think this actually sounds like this—the monster. 
So, uh, hey guys, I want the. I, um, oh, go ahead. I pulled this up because this was bugging me. So, like, literally, it's still during the opening credits when he finds his big silver box of knives. He hadn't chucked it at Sawyer yet. Oh, he finds him in this episode, like the very like the first uh, six minutes. He finds his knives. Hmm. So the orange. Remains a mystery. If anyone could cut an orange with a shoelace, it's Colonel Locke. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to say, Gunner, I just want the uh, audience to know how big of a super fan you are about this. And I have the Lost Encyclopedia. I just don't know where it is yet because we moved and it's in a box somewhere in my garage. I've been kind of looking for it. So eventually I will dig even deeper and become even more of a nerd. Well, so, can I say one other thing too absolutely. before we go further? No, um, you, you, you only have one thing. Oh, <laughs> right. No, man. Oh, no, when you were asking Doss earlier about the uh, boars in the uh, the wreckage that they were coming across, um, and that's what it was, right? They were yeah. going through the wreckage and the boars. Yeah, together. they were rummaging. There was uh, that moment where you know you've already seen in earlier episodes the creature eat the pilot. And you know there's monsters out there. So you're like, wow, am I going to get to see what this animal... I mean, every time there's an animal in the forest, that's the first thing you're thinking. Is, is, is it the I dinosaur? Gonna to, am I going to get to see what this creature is? Yes. And <laughs> well, then, even then, when they, they showed them, they did it in a dark light, and they highlighted the eye, uh, eyes weird, so it right. looked like little like goblin creatures right. or something right. running through it. Right, like something you might see from Star Wars, like the little... Like little yeah. Jawas, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... But but we see that, and then they're like boars, and I'm thinking, oh yes, if I was there, I'd be like bacon, pulled pork, you know, roast. Yes, like <laughs> I like that you think you can find nitrates to make a uh, wild boar bacon on this deserted island. <laughs> you know what? I'm optimistic. I'll tell you what: if uh, Colonel Locks there, he's figuring out bacon because yes. he is a hero. So, so I anyways, I think that's what Colonel uh, Locke was like. Hey, this is my chance to provide because, you know, as we've seen throughout this whole episode, that's one thing he's felt he's been able to lack his entire life. Well, yeah, and it's, it's a way for him to live out this fantasy that he had that we later learned he, you know, got basically rejected and humiliated, um, you know, and, and prevented from doing it. So... You know, it, it, it's such a—it's like surprise after surprise. You know, you, 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 but he comes out swinging. He comes out as this larger-than-life kind of like, like supreme figure at, on the island, the most useful guy, I, I guess, outside of the doctor. But well, uh, and, and it comes back actually to what Jack said in the previous episode, where like we all died three days ago. Now we get to be whoever you know. Who do you want to be? John Locke wanted to be this super badass outdoorsman that was capable of all these things. Now it's his opportunity to do that. Uh, what, only thing I really want to comment on, though, is like, I know it's like Magic Island and everything, but I don't care if you get the feeling back in your legs, the muscle atrophy. You wouldn't be able to like hop up and start helping people lift up fucking plane wreckage. Like, you, 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 <laughs> The astronauts go up for six months and need help getting us like out of the pod. John Locke was in a chair for four years. Well, this is a magical island. That's all. The, that's all. The, that's all the information you need. This is magic. 
<laughs> I know I'm giving it Magic Island, but but uh, oh, that muscle atrophy. <laughs> so uh, I, I wrote down a note here uh, from watching it. Um, Kate mentioned she's a vegetarian. So I wrote that down for one reason, because I hope I remember this, because in my mind, I want to catch them in a lie. I want to see if Kate actually is a vegetarian. So now that we are four episodes into like, what, 118 or so, let's keep an eye out to see if she's actually eats meat in any scenes. All right. So, though, at, you know, you, you could say that someone who was a vegetarian would naturally stop being a vegetarian once they're like, you know, deserted on an island with limited food resources. Yeah, I mean, like if it comes to a survival situation, if you starve to death versus eating an already killed pig, right? I mean, look, I'm Jewish. Even uh, the Torah is like, look, man, you're in a survival situation. Like rules are out. You, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, you, you do what you got to do to live. So, you know? so someone, so if she eats meat in another episode, I don't know if that is really catching her in a lie, or is it okay? Well, now she has to eat meat. So, so essentially, what you're saying is. Kate's going to eat meat or the survivors are going to eat Kate. Sure. So, um, survivor, that's a huge waste of food. What they did in the fuselage. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, you bring up a good point. They were, Uh, we're going to, that's, I I have a whole segment on that. We're going to, you know, I I didn't go there. Uh, I mean, the the was the, was the film uh, alive that, that, that I'm thinking of here. That or uh, was it Plunkett McLean? No, no, Ravenous. That's the one I'm thinking of. Alive, alive was the Donner Party from Colorado, referred to <laughs> yeah. in Pulp Fiction. You know, the Donner Party got stranded. They had to do what they had to do. <laughs> you know, Life of Pi. I think might be like a cannibal story. Awesome. With the tiger? I think so. I don't know. Did he, does he eat somebody? <laughs> I can't remember that. No, I thought it was just a story about a magic tiger. <laughs> it, depends on which, it depends on which version of, of the story you, you believe in. Oh, well, I saw the movie version. I liked the, oh, yeah, I get you. I got you. Well, we're way off track here. Let's, let's get this. All right. Let's talk about your guys' favorite character so far in this season. The great Shannon. Oh, I, okay. I hate this bitch so much. <laughs> I, God. Those scenes between her and Boone are not necessary. They don't help the story. They, they just, they're just, uh, they, they, they point out what a, what a goober he is. And how easily tricked he is, it kind of points out his character a little bit, I guess. What, what is this conflict between them? Like, he just wants her to believe that she's useless and can't do anything, but he's also useless. I mean, uh, well, I, I don't, I don't really I, understand the dynamic. I don't, I don't find it to be realistic. They haven't gotten to their whole shtick yet. I know, but nothing could explain this behavior. Is what I, is what I think. I mean, these people were just acting just totally inappropriately for being on a deserted island. It kind of seemed out of place. It's I, I would call it a, a you know a single a singular flaw in the episode. Otherwise, a very good episode. You know, very good writing. But I think they just wanted to point out how horrible she is, which they didn't need to do. I already knew how horrible she was, but. Uh... 
they, they really they drive it home. They overshot it a little. Yeah. So I actually wrote a note in here um, for the scene that she gets Charlie to go fishing for her and he hides his heroin. You think she would have been into partying with him and that heroin? Because I think she would be all about it. Uh, I feel like she definitely would have been down for it, but, but uh, I also think he didn't want to share. No, but she, no, but she's playing, she's playing someone who is actually, you know, less experienced than she lets on. So, so she, you know, or she's actually kind of more naive and, you know, childlike than. I'm more impressed with Charlie's ability to, um, just completely ignore the fact that that he's like having his like a junkie fix to go chase some tail. <laughs> like like he's like itching and shaking trying to get it out of the bag and then some sweet punani rolls in and he's like fit as a fiddle ready to go like oh yeah I'll catch some fish for you whatever. Like, yeah. like I, I love where I love where she's like can we talk? He's like, yeah, I know. I'm the bass player from Drive. Can <laughs> yeah, you catch me a fish? <laughs> We've all been there. Um, so but here, you know, he's a damn fish. The fish is only there to for for her to prove to Boone that she can like manipulate someone else into doing something that she is incapable of doing. Speaking of, One by the time. way, that that fish was totally fake looking. It, it yeah. looked like a looked like a prop that I've never. It seen. looked like they bought it at the market earlier yes. that morning. Yes, the precious resource on that island at this point. They're in a survival situation. So yeah, uh, they're just like schmucking about with it. Also, like wait, no, hold on. So I, I like that they had a nice, like, friendly coming together scene. But let's not ignore that Charlie suckered in Hurley to help him do the dirty work of trying to bang Shannon. So actually, it's it's there's a little more to that. So uh, <laughs> there's actually a a deleted scene. So uh, there's a scene where Hurley and uh, Charlie are, are fishing. There was a part that was deleted. Uh, where Jin walks up and catches the fish with his bare hands and oh, gives it to that. them. And then they give the fish to Claire. So I remember that. Was so that it might have been a deleted scene on the DVD or I'm not sure. I, but I that's how they got. If you want to know how, because that was a great scene of them fishing. And you're like, how did these two buffoons catch a fish? Jin walked in, caught it with his bare hands and give it to him. Yeah, I know. I distinctly remember that. Now that you say it, I don't. I don't remember where I saw it though. Here's here's a good thing though. I'm glad they cut it out. Because right yeah, now, in watching good. that episode, Jin's a dick, and I don't want to like him. And that would like make me love. It would take Jin. you out of it. It would take you out of the Jin feeling that they were trying to go. Yeah, yeah. Do abruptly. So okay, I, I can I can dig that. I, I would, you know, like I said, they just he roped Hurley into doing the dirty work too. So he's, you know, like it, it, it's shit. It's it's gets spread around. And that's really their first scene together. And they, I, 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 I don't want to spoil things, but they, how awesome are they together? Like, no, they got a good chemistry. They are them. totally the C three PO and R two D two of Lost. Yeah, <laughs> that's actually a pretty. I like that. That's a good analogy. So. Especially if Hurley is us. And if you kind of watch Star Wars, C-3PO is the audience. He's like the one person who's there for almost all of it. He knows everything. Yeah. Yes. 
So I right, uh, let's let's uh, as they say in the tw- the year twenty twenty, let's pivot a little. Uh, Keith, uh, I want to talk about Rose. Um, I did uh, write down a note. It's a question that I got for you. Um, is Rose crazy? Um, I don't know if she's crazy. I think she's boring as hell. Is probably my take on her. <laughs> um, uh, like whenever her character comes up, I get I get so bored. However, on this rewatch, it, it did make me think again about talking about how her husband's not dead because they could be thinking the same thing about us later on. And it makes sense for a TV show. If you want to include more characters on the lost Island, of course, you're going to have more people show up later on. So to me, no, I don't think she's crazy. How, let me ask you this. Then how is he alive? If he was in the tail section and the tail section broke off, how is he still alive? I mean, maybe he could have flown out and landed with his wings. You did say you did quote <laughs> earlier it was a magic island. Yeah, I was going to yeah, say magic true. island, man. Magical things could have happened. So <laughs> So I uh, I hope this doesn't uh disappoint you Keith and uh this is a little spoilery but uh in the commentary they mentioned how El Scott Caldwell got cast in a play during production. So she was unavailable for a lot of the future episodes in the first season. So uh I don't, I don't know if that's a spoiler or not, but uh, your girl Rose will kind of disappear. I actually like Rose, but that's just me. I think she, uh, I think she gives a layer, and like we learned before, the the Rose role kind of uh, was originally the Kate role, as uh, as we mentioned earlier today. Well, it's it's interesting. That I think Rose actually sets up this kind of. It's the first time we see this faith versus reason. Uh, well, I, 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 let me argue the this episode maybe because not only does she have the faith, but John Locke seems to have a lot of faith in this too. Well, no, okay, okay. Well, I don't know if I. That's what I picked up from John Locke at this point. I mean, I, John Locke clearly is grateful for being able to walk again ever after having been in a wheelchair for four years. Um, you know, which we learn at the, you know, the, at that uh, walkabouts place. Uh, so maybe I, I just spoiled a little bit more than I should have. Well, no, I, well, no, I, I don't know if I see him as the, the, like the faith, the faithful figure, the, the figure who's kind of uh, represents having faith in, despite not having the certainty or not having the assurance. He certainly has the obsession side down. Well, you know what? Like just thinking about yeah. it. You see that, and you in your pitying him. I mean, I mean, the, the the bulk of the episode is get him going from this place of like, whoa, you know, you're kind of awestruck, and then you're more and more shocked at the, these reveals, and you feel more and more sorry for him until the end. You're just like, oh my god, this is uncomfortable to watch, and I feel so bad for this guy. But but Rose and Jack set up this this faith versus reason kind of debate, and you see Rose, it, I think, wins the debate. Because, you know, Jack can't explain what, how they're alive. Um, and, and he's... And or any of the crazy shit that's yeah, going exactly. on the island. Like, she's like, bro, we're fighting dinosaurs right now. Like, yeah. right. he might be alive. Give, give, me, give me that. <laughs> that exactly. <laughs> 
I think he has, I think he kind of has to concede like, yeah, Rose is kind of right here. You know, I'm going through PTSD for one, because she as she points out, like, aren't we all going through PTSD? And and then two, like anything's possible. Why, why is he necessarily ruling out the possibility that the other people on the plane made it? Uh, they should have made it. You know, one cool thing about this episode we see is um we see Jack kind of in an episode to feature Locke, um, it's weird to see Jack, like specifically in this episode, take himself back. Um, and, you know, if you think about it, you know, where we are right now, four episodes in, Jack has been the leader up to this point in the show. And this episode, Jack personally steps back. I don't want to, I don't want to do the memorial. Claire, okay, I'll do it. Do it. You know? So there's a lot of stuff like that where now Locke is, is essentially being the leader on the Island. And I, for this episode, I mean, Locke took the lead to say, you know what? I'm going to go get some bore. And it's kind of interesting where there's a lot of alphas on this Island, you know, and you know, right now point with the, uh, the whole faith versus reason. If Jack represents reason, Claire asked him to give a faith service. She asked him to give, you know, a prayer to, to, as you know, to the people that had fallen, he wants nothing to do with the faith side of it. He's about the pragmatism. He's like, look, I'm just trying to keep everybody alive. Like, I don't care about your funeral right now. Like we need to not be dead. Yeah, I guess that's true. So speaking of Claire, here's an interesting fact. Uh, This is the first episode where, we learn her name is Claire. I also liked that in the opening of, of this, uh, where they were all sleeping, that Claire chose to sleep with the least threatening male, which was Hurley. <laughs> so she, I mean, let's be honest. The only threat that Hurley poses is if he rolled over and crushed her to death. In his <laughs> like, let's hey, there's a motto I've lived by my whole life. That's once you have fat, you don't ever go back. So it's because you're stuck. <laughs> so here, here's yeah, another- been with some large ladies. Uh, it, yeah, <laughs> I, never mind. <laughs> a funny story. I'll tell you after the show. Um, so um, there is uh, there's several sources that I ran into in doing my research um, that cite the walkabout as the episode that most people got hooked on the show. Um, and so there's kind of a in fandom term called the walkabout effect that is that's kind of saying that this episode is what hooks you. So here here's where we are. If you guys remember five minutes ago, we get the pilot, which is amazing. Then we get tabula rasa, which I mispronounced, which we all know is the lowest uh, rated episode out there that they had so far. Uh, I think they said it was the lowest of the of the series, the first season. In and terms then, of viewership, yeah. Then you get the episode that hooks people. So it's interesting how, I mean, the lowest rated episode led into obviously one of the most important episodes because this is the episode that seems to hook everyone. So I found that really, really interesting that uh, a lot of people... And like to- I, I do want to point out one thing, um, and this is just me and uh, 
my love-hate relationship with uh, um, Sun Hua. Is that how you say her name? Oh, Sun? Yes. Um, I thought it was hilarious when Michael's kid, when he was going off to hunt, and he puts he asked Sun to uh, watch his son, and his son was like, no, I want to go with you. And he's like, no, you can stay here with her. And so she tried to talk to him. And she was trying to talk to him in, I guess, her language. And he was like, yeah, yeah. whatever. He's like, I ain't got time for you. And I was like, oh, that's exactly how I feel about her. <laughs> so, and why does he ask the one person that cannot understand him yes. to watch his kid? Yes. Uh, he's not a very good father. Uh, Would you uh, ask anybody who could speak English so yeah, that you yeah, could like, like Claire, Even Hurley, right? Hurley yeah, could I mean, do that. That's such yeah. an easy misunderstanding. He, she, he could have been saying anything. He, he just assumed that she knew that he meant watch, you know, watch my kid. She literally could have said, I hate children. I'm going to chop <laughs> yeah, his legs exactly. off and eat him as soon yeah, as you walk yeah. away. I, you know, I, I'm insane. I, I don't trust me. You know, I'm really irresponsible. Who knows? She could have said anything. <laughs> He would have had no idea. She literally like, could have said, I'm, I'm, I refuse to watch your child. Like, <laughs> right. well, I don't know what you're doing to me. Like, I'm not going to be responsible for this. I'm going to walk away as soon as you leave. And, <laughs> and he was like, great. I'll see you later. He's like, cool. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Idiot. He's a terrible father. What do you want from him? Well, you know. Okay. Yeah. All right. So are we, we going to get to the, uh, are we going to get to the, um, we got the reveal. There's one scene I want to talk about uh, before we get to the big reveal at the end of this episode, and that is the scene with Helen. Oh, oh this was yeah. painful. This is a painful scene to watch. Which actually, I got something from this scene that I must have misinterpreted. So uh, since we've been watching Lost, I, I started over for this show, and I'm, I'm only watching up to the episodes that we talk about. Um, but I did watch this. I watched it a second time with the uh, audio commentary, and then I watched it right now. So I've watched this three times. Um, and my original note says, Helen... Is she really a therapist? Because I, I I don't know if it was my first or second watching, but yeah. I thought I thought he was telling her he's a therapist, or maybe it was when he was talking to his buddy in the in the. No, I don't think it was that. I think I just assumed that he called her his therapist, but no, then she, but then there was this scene where she's like said that she's not a yeah not his yeah. therapist. Oh, so I, do we I, have to talk about what Helen really is? Yes, we know what she was. Well, well, what do you, what is your interpretation? She of was it? she was like a nine hundred sex line girl That's that right. he just exactly. talked. To, he basically built a relationship with. I mean, he, he thought it was a relationship. Right. He right. thought he was a customer. That's yes. the sad part. Right. Is that he actually think? And you. That's why he's such a great actor. He he did that performance so beautifully. You actually believe that he thinks that she's gonna. Well, go on vacation with him, right? Even more, yeah. like I thought early on, Helen. He was bringing up Helen. Oh, well, that's his wife that he lost. Somebody in his past that he had a relationship with, like an, oh, more than over the phone, right? You assumed there's some story attached to this, not someone that he's been talking to on the phone and paying five ninety nine a minute. That is a well. There you go. I, I agree with that. It's such a it's it's that is probably the most shocking surprise in the show for, uh, for me. Doubt, Bigger than that. the big reveal in this no. episode? No. That for me, that one was pretty shocking. I don't know what you mean by the the big reveal. I think there was a lot of big reveals. The, we, 
the, well, the I mean, the, the we're talking about the big reveal there. of That's you can't you can't walk about the um, you can't talk about the walkabout without the reveal of the walkabout of the walka not. Yes. Yeah, that he that he can't walk. About. <laughs> so um, I I'll tell you what, like. <laughs> I love how I love how we take this guy who's this leader in this episode. He's a badass in this episode. And uh we see him at arguably now granted we've seen one snapshot of his life at around this time. But I mean, I can't possibly imagine John Locke's life being at a darker point. Yeah, you so, hope it's the rock bottom, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, that's just, like, that. I think that's uh, even more of a, did you, is that what you just said? That this is a bigger reveal than... Yeah, I think so. You know what, I you I just talked myself into it right now, where I yeah, think exactly. you are 100, I, I agree with you 100%. That is <laughs> the big reveal in this episode. Yeah, it's, it's the big reveal because he goes from Indiana Jones to this like pitiful, you know, golem like, you know, c- creature basically. Um and 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 you don't feel bad for him for being in a wheelchair. I don't think people no, think not at all, right? For being in a wheelchair. You could I mean, lots of people are in a wheelchair and and people are going to interpret that as like, oh, he's you know, well, he could have he could have still been Indiana Jones just rolling in the wheelchair, that would have been incredible. But you realize who he is kind of inside from this conversation with Helen. You realize like, oh, inside he's really this pitiful man he or he at least at this point in his life in the past or it's like maybe now everything's different because he mentions he's only been in the chair for four years so you're wondering what happened you know what was before that like was he always this like broken man and he was trying to get back to his adventure before times or or is this just a um or is this a permanent state I think for me it was more the uh, like. I uh, granted this was a big reveal, and you're right, and it basically showcased who he really was as a person. But for me, once you found out that he was in a wheelchair, and once he land, once he crashed on this island, he could walk. Then the especially the second time I watched this episode, I go back and I see all the stuff that he's doing now that relates back to you know when he's sitting at a table playing Risk and he's sitting. In, at all these scenes and you're like, Oh, he must be in a wheelchair, but they're not showing you the wheelchair. So for me, it was more the reveal of the second time. What did I miss the first time? Well, and the, even the opening scene where he wiggles his, you know, little gold right. coast sock. Yeah, why is he doing meaningless that? Until you know why right. it has meaning. Right. So me, it had, it had a reveal because like, Oh, I should have caught that the first time. So can I play a cool clip from the commentary involving Locke? Sure. So here's an audio clip uh, from the actual commentary explaining a little bit more about Locke. This is uh, Jack Bender, the director, and uh, David Fury, the writer. I think it's Jack Bender talking. The commentary is great. It's those two and Terry O'Quinn. So if you guys get a chance to... Uh, I was looking online. I couldn't find the commentaries anywhere. I know you sent that link. Keith, I've seen that link, but it doesn't take us thing where you can download it. Um, no, I think it just shows you the transition. Yeah, it shows you. Yeah, 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 yeah. So here is a cool, I think this is one of the coolest things about this episode. So here you go. Need a drink? You know, it's gonna, It's fun to mention, you know, with all the things that we do plan out, that John Locke wasn't immediately, it was Damon who came in while we were writing the first episode when he said, I think John Locke 
was in a wheelchair when he got on. <laughs> and I went, really? <laughs> You're kidding. How could that be? And we talked about it and realized, oh, my God, this is brilliant. Mm-hmm. And so what we did was we inserted, we went back and inserted a wheelchair into episode one, which Jack directed as well. Right. Tabula Ross, we put the wheelchair in and we put it in here as well. And it just makes us look smart, like we knew it all along, like we knew it at the time, you know, from the from the beginning. But uh, that's just one of those things that we knew Locke had a deep, dark secret, and when Damon came up with it, it everything, all the pieces fell into place. That's kind of crazy that, like, they're writing Tabula Rasa, and all of a sudden, Damon's like, he's in a wheelchair. Like, I don't know, like, that's just... I, I thought that was playing out, you know... From the beginning of his from his character's inception, I want to rewatch the pilot again because do we that scene with the sock was this the first time we saw that scene or was that no all? you see him wiggle his foot in the first episode that's yeah, what the I fir- thought the first one yes. yeah huh. but Interesting. I, they might, I don't know that they go back and add that or yeah maybe they... well they did say that they added the they added the scene with the wheelchair and Tabula Rasa they added that after. Uh, after they already shot it, like they just kind of quickly threw that in there. Uh, I also liked the scene where they showed the wheelchair in this episode, but they were using it to haul the wood. Yeah. And then he just kind of looked at it and smiled and like, you know, smirked and walked away. Well, I think it's cool that when they show the scene, by the way, the, I don't want to say the last couple minutes, but that whole scene where, they're flashbacking. By the way, this episode features in my notes the first on island flashback where they're actually flashing back to events physically on the island that we hadn't seen before. Um, but that whole scene where we're seeing Locke for the first time, like wake up and stretch it, like how powerful is that scene, man? I love that scene. Like I, I almost broke down a little watching it. I'm like, just so happy like that was a beautiful touch oh yeah beautiful touch so really good um yeah so the big reveal keith your first time what what did you think when you first saw that and did you see it coming no i did not see it coming but um to me it was um you know when you're sitting here watching the australia why can't he get on the trip what are they disenfranchising him from like what at first, I thought, is it because he's a loser? Do they not allow losers on these I trips? thought it was because he was old. Yeah, that too. But, you know, I mean, by that point, we already knew about the Helen stuff, right? And so we... Did knew. not allow losers on that <laughs> 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 Do you have to share know. something, Keith? Do you have a story? Did you not get to go on your walkabout? <laughs> what did he walk into the place after booking it for months in advance? And he's like, ah, what a loser. Yeah. Walkabout for you. you. You didn't pass the loser test, yes. The smell of phone sex on your breath. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, it was just like totally like, yeah, wow. That was uh, that was so unpredictable in my book that um, it was, to me, it was it was more shocking than the Helen thing. But I can totally see... Doss's point. So, oh, that's amazing, Keith. <laughs> All right. So, one last thing to mention before we wrap on this episode: uh, the guy in the suit, Keith. What's your first thoughts on the guy in the suit? Um, man, um, I don't know. Um, I thought, I mean, 
why is he here and 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 what's going to happen? I don't know. I just it's nothing but questions in my mind. Awesome. I think that's the point. So, um Daz and Future, uh I want to without spoiling, but holy cow, was there some amazing like like what's the word I'm thinking of? Uh, foreshadowing to where this show is going. Like we, I like uh, that, that awesome scene with the monster. And then when he walks out with the boar, like that scene right there, when he walks out with the boar, that is like, Oh my gosh. Like I see the future. Well, and at that point you're like, okay, what, what other shady something is John Locke into? Because he's, you know, they showed a scene where he supposedly stared down the face of this mystery monster lived after you watched multiple people die and not only lived, but came back with food for the entire, uh, you know, group. You think the monster helped him get the food? Uh, I, th- I think the point is to leave the audience wondering at that point. Yeah, it's a, it's a deep, it's a profound question because, you, you know, you're seeing this kind of weird stare down and you realize, well, there's some reason why John Locke didn't get killed. Right. But, you know, why is he not getting killed like everyone else? There's something special going on. And, and not only why is he not getting killed, why is he improving physically? <laughs> right. Not right. Only, yeah, he's not only is he not dying like everyone else, he's actually going the opposite direction and getting better and better with every passing moment. <laughs> Maybe while he was in the air, the monster, like, put his bones back together, like, operation and... That's why he can walk out in operation, but (laughs) (laughs) I wonder why I always lose that game. (laughs) Well, no, I think Goss was mad at, at the, the fuselage burning. Well, you know, I don't know if this is too, too far out, but look, if you're in a survival situation, okay. And there's limited resources and there's a lot of people who are alive you might want to save some of the only, you know, meat that's available and not just burn all the bodies. I don't know. Do what they did in the live. Turn it into some, you know, I, I, people drinking. It's, it's a little dark for, for network television to go, you know, chopping up survivors and smoking them to preserve them. I, you know, it, 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 it's. Well, you don't have to show the chopping up. I mean, dude, these people wouldn't even eat sea urchin when they were present. That is true. That is a great point. This is Disney, so that is another great point. <laughs> I mean, I mean, my man brought them actual food, and they wouldn't touch it. I don't think they're about to be chopping up their their seat mates uh, and eating their limbs. You know, it. it <laughs> all, all I'm saying is, I would have brought it up at the funeral. Be like. Hey, you know, let's. Uh, like, hey, before let's, we light let's, this let's fire, like, wear and save some of this. For yeah, a like we like get a couple of arms and just smoke them or something. Like <laughs> exactly. Well, not exactly. to mention, not to mention the fuel they're burning. I mean, also. at least at yeah, least they wasted a ton of wood. Like, they, what, yeah. what are they doing? They even found organ donors on the island. Yeah, that was it a it, signal it, right there. They made a joke about it. That is true. They made a joke. They're like, well, okay, well, at, you know, at least those people would be down. There you go. So you know, be turned into burgers. 
I mean, they literally said they'd give their organs to help other people survive. I think this situation qualifies for that. Yeah, I thought that was weird. And I also thought it was strange that they were having the funeral that 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 little ceremony right near the bodies burning. Like the, it would have been overwhelming the smell of burning bodies. First of all, it would have smelled like amazing barbecue. They would have been <laughs> starving. Uh, yeah, they could have been hungry. I mean, it, it's, just, it's just like it, it, the whole thing seemed a little bit, uh, you know, poorly planned. That's all. Well, speaking of uh, things that have uh, burned and uh, people that have lost, um, um, Gunner, are we ready for the... Uh... Did we lose anyone in this one? Yeah, who did we, who did we lose? You will find out in a second. <laughs> I, I can't remember anyone. We, we lost that parrotfish. Guys, it's my least favorite part of the show. Oh yeah, we lost the boar. <laughs> the time where we say goodbye to those that we never have to see again. You thought it was a pretty clean episode out there, didn't you? But we lost someone important. Who? Mr. Boar. Oh, it was the boar. Okay, what? He gave his life. So none of those guys have anything to tell their therapists if they ever get off the island. When they said... I could die for some Chinese food right now. They didn't have to go in that cabin, in that fuselage, and physically eat Chinese. They had themselves well, they still have Korean. some pork. Well, this season's not over yet. So, Mr. Boar, thank you for giving us your life and your delicious meats and your delicious meats bacon alright guys well that is the walkabout talked about I enjoyed talking about the walking about yes so yeah I mean what would you now, say? Is this as important as I made it out to be, or did I overblow it? Yeah, the most important thing, I think, from this episode is there's no losers allowed on the walkabout. <laughs> <laughs> Walkabouts are for closers. <laughs> go on the walkabout, you must have nothing to mock about. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> All right, so uh, we are getting ready to say goodbye, guys. Next week, we are going to tackle episode five, The White Rabbit. Ooh, does this have something to do with the uh, show, uh, Mr. Robot? It does not. All right, guys. In the meantime, there's many ways for you guys to uh, correspond with the show. You can go to wehavetogoback.net, uh, which is the podcast for our show. We have a Facebook group. We have to go back a Lost Rewatch podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at WHTGB podcast. That's at We Have to Go Back podcast. And uh, check out wideopenmike.net for all of our other shows. We got some great shows on there. We got a WandaVision 
this podcast on there called Snap. All you care to eat, a comedy podcast that is kind of a combination of Saturday Night Live and Prairie Home Companion. My podcast, Gunner and the Pistols, all sorts of fun stuff. So all that and more at wideopenpikemike.net. We will see you guys next week for the for White Rabbit. Love you guys. Peace.